Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will with ScheduleFly, and I decided to start doing a brief introduction to these podcasts to let you know who's involved and what we talked about so you know what you're getting into. Uh, So this one is with Jay and Jeremy Bond. These guys are phenomenal dudes. They're brothers. They're two of the four partners at Bond Brothers Beer Company in Cary, North Carolina. And in 2017, USA Today named Bond Brothers Beer Company the best new brewery in the nation uh, for the year 2016. So these guys are doing something right. They actually opened three years to the day prior to the day we did our interview. And um, when they opened, they weren't sure if many people would show up. They were nervous about it. They had 6,000 people come on opening day. And after six months, they had to throw out their five-year plan because they were growing exponentially faster than they had anticipated. And this is with four partners that had uh, very little hospitality experience. So they came with a very fresh approach. Uh, They grew the business organically. They've had, uh, I believe, no turnover in three years in the business. Uh, So we talked about, you know, what led to the success. We talked about why they don't micromanage collaboration within the beer community, the three pillars of their business, which is very interesting. Uh, We talked about quality becoming more important these days in in craft brewing and why. Um, The trend of craft breweries being acquired by large multinationals and the impact that's having on the industry and a lot more. So um, highly recommend checking this interview out. Jay and Jeremy are phenomenal dudes. They are very nice. They're genuine. They're soft-spoken. They're humble. And we just had a really interesting conversation. Lots of good nuggets in here. Uh, So y'all enjoy. What's up, everybody? It's Will with ScheduleFly, and I'm in Cary, North Carolina today with Jay and Jeremy Bond of Bond Brothers Beer Company. Uh, And by coincidence, not planned, but uh, a fortunate coincidence, we are actually sitting here on the three-year anniversary of their opening. So uh, they were kind enough to take some time today. So guys, uh, Jay, Jeremy, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, well, let's get started with your story. Tell, tell me the, sure. the backstory about Bond Brothers. Well, um, really Bond Brothers started with Jeremy and Witt Baker. Uh, they were friends for, they are friends, have been friends for over 10 years. I'd say. Yeah. Um, I think he was one of the first people I had met actually when I moved to North Carolina. Um, we hung out together, did a lot of things together, started brewing together. Um, he is a, he's a science teacher, so his, his mind is um, very... <laughs> he's a very science uh, science minded individual Jeremy is very kind of practical hands on so it kind of the he got a uh, homebrew kit one day from a friend and they're like hanging out well let's let's try let's see what happens let's brew some beer so they brewed a beer with the homebrew kit uh, wit obviously because he likes science got into it um, so Jeremy started developing the system, building his own homebrew system, and yeah, it, it started out as a uh, started out as a gravity-fed system with uh, you know reclaimed wood, um, kind of like a hodgepodge of pots and pumps and things, and uh, eventually evolved into a uh, um, almost fully automated system. I mean, we could have gone 
above and beyond what we did, but we sort of drew the line. Um, what, what were you doing then? I mean, because all these stories about there's so many of these breweries where it's, you know, a couple of guys and a homebrew kit and or one dude and a homebrew kit. And then, it you know, next thing you know, years later, there's a this incredible brewery. Yeah, it's I get that question asked a lot. And um, so I went to art school and I did freelance illustration for years, um, basically editorial things you see in magazines and uh, books and stuff. And um, I enjoyed that, but I just didn't like the. Uh, the grind um, paychecks were kind of few. yeah few and far between and so I ended up getting into uh, fabrication um, I had studied with a sculptor in New York for years um, while, well, while I was in high school I studied there and then a couple of years before I went to college I apprenticed with him um, would go to the city every day and I learned a lot of you know learned how to weld um, I learned a lot about sculpting and I've always liked to just build and do things with my hands. So, so I got into fabrication, and that's what kind of led us down the path of of building a brewery. Um, almost all the setup, the glycol system, the boiler, the steam lines. My brother and I installed all of that, um, basically to save money and just because we just that's what we like to do. Um, so yeah, it was just, I liked the fabrication aspect. I liked the creative aspect of beer. Um, Wit liked science. I mean, he's still really creative when it comes to recipe formulation, um, but he's also very science oriented. So it was a good relationship. And we, um, we had pretty strong work ethics. Um, I think at one point we ended up having seven refrigerators in my shed, all temperature controlled. Um, and when we actually came here to present our product or our beer to the developers, I think we had 11 different home brews that we shared with them, hmm. which is kind of, that's not normal. Right. Uh, I wouldn't think with, so. With a home, for a home brewer. Um, yeah. but we just, you know, we all, we both had full-time jobs, uh, worked really hard. And then during the weekend on the weekends we brewed and, you know, Jay would be at the house also brewing and sometimes you'd have some sort of issue and you'd be brewing till three in the morning and you had to be at work at seven. So that was our lifestyle for a while. And as a result, that kind of pushed us into the professional side um, because it just became, I don't want to use the term overwhelming because it was something we enjoyed doing, but it was, we had to find the balance because yeah. it was, it was getting to be a little difficult. So. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's tough to balance yeah. for for a long time. I mean, yeah. it's hard to sustain that. Yeah, I was going to, we had to, we had to make a decision either way. Yeah. Either we're going to go full bore or we're going to dial it back. And, uh, here we are. Okay. Three, three years later. Yeah. And at the time too, I was, I was living in the Yadkin Valley working at a vineyard. Okay. So I had gotten into, um, uh, winemaking out there. I was originally into horticulture and that brought me into viticulture, which, in turn, got me into wanting to learn how to make wine and ferment. Um, so when they were doing their thing here, I would travel back and forth and, you know, hang out with them and brew with them. And um, actually, the majority, I'd say probably 90% of the barrels we have in the back come from where I used to work. Um, so it was an interesting 
grouping. You know, I brought in some of my knowledge with barrel barreling and um, winemaking, and uh, kind of worked off of them. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, so uh, tell me about getting started. I mean, it's you know, you started three years ago. There's a lot that had to go into this. Did you um, did y'all buy this building or? No, we we did not. Okay, so you leased the building. Yep. You have a lot of investment in the equipment. Uh, did you get investors or did y'all self fund this? Yeah, no. Um, actually, our fourth partner, Andy mm-hmm. Schnitzer, um, we met him. Actually, met him through a run club. We used to all be, or still are, for the most part, <laughs> big runners. Um, so we met him one night or one day at the run club, and he was interested in. I think at the time was looking to do a bottle shop. Um, but knew we were also interested in opening a brewery and we did, we were kind of working with another investor, but it, it just wasn't the right fit for us. Um, and Andy came in and had a lot of the same philosophies we did and knew about us, you know, knew the beer and knew the reputation we had already established. Um, and really was just ready to get something going. So we went out and he his broker he was working with knew of this space we were all in uh i think we were all in jeremy and i were in raleigh at the time living in raleigh at the time um and Witt was still in chapel hill um so we didn't really think about carry at the time but we did know when we got here that there was a huge uh revitalization happening i mean it was kind of a mess they were they had academy street ripped up um, there wasn't many businesses, there wasn't many restaurants to come to, and the ones that were here were kind of inaccessible because of all the construction going on. Yeah. But we knew within probably a year's time that was going to be done. So we walked into this building, and immediately, this was after, you know, we've toured other buildings and knew, like, oh, man, this, that won't work, that won't work, that won't work. We walked in this one, and we're like, this is absolutely perfect. So we tried to play cool, you know, pretend like, yeah, you know it wasn't that cool, but it was awesome. We knew yeah. it was we knew it was going to be perfect. So we we had that big meeting with um, with the town. Actually, some of the town's people came out. The invest, I mean the um, the uh, building owner came out, and that was when we just happened to have eleven beers ready and kegged. So I actually didn't make that meeting. I wasn't there, but Jeremy and Jeremy Jeremy Witt and Andy, I think, were there, right? Um, so we had a menu, we created a menu, we brought, we brought uh, snacks, and then we had beer, and we all sat down, and they all sat down and sampled the beer and talked about it, talked to us, and to see what, you know, if we were serious and if we knew what we were talking about. And they were looking at another, some other options, but I think after that meeting, we pretty much convinced them that they should go with us. And Were there any other breweries here at the time? There was Fortnite. Okay. Fortnite was the only existing. It's not downtown. It's just just outside, maybe two miles away from here. Okay. So nothing here in downtown. Tell tell us about. I mean, people listening, you know, from all over the place. To Carrie is a, a bedroom community outside of Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Although Carrie's grown quite a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, there's what over 160 thousand people. Okay. I think is that big? Now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe even more now. I mean, it's it's huge. It's growing exponentially. Um, what was your question? I was just just kind of wanting to get a general description of the town of Cary and yeah, the town is it's it's been voted many times by many different publications as one of the safest places to live in America. Yeah, um, I think it's per capita. I don't know how they how they do it, but um, 
Well, when you advertise it, when it's advertised that way, that that certainly helps drive a lot of growth. I mean, a lot yeah. of people want. So I'm sure there's a lot of people moving here for that reason. Yeah, and they, I mean, they call it a town, you know, and they think they're going to try to keep that as long as they can. Yeah. Uh, it's it's in my mind, it's it's becoming a city. It's becoming a city, but yeah. it still has that town feel sure. to me. You know, it's a very family oriented town. A um, lot of things to walk to now with the new park. Um, it's just a cool vibe. It's like, you know, Raleigh's cool too, but it's just a completely different feel. Sure, you sure. Know, you go down there, you almost feel like you're in a mini New York city. Right, you know? yeah. yeah. This you, is a small town. I mean, there's a little Main Street area. Yeah. And it's a small, yeah. I had a friend come out and visit, and, sh- and they said, it looks like a movie set. You know, walking down Academy Street, said, it's just so pretty. It just looks like... That's a good way to describe looks, it. It looks fake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, it's just a good, comfortable, f- you know, I've got two kids, so I, I just love raising them here yeah you know it's just a nice place so um okay so you got open three years ago um what were some of the biggest hurdles y'all had to face early on that maybe you hadn't anticipated um i mean were there times where you were like holy cow what have we gotten into or did it just kind of start taking off pretty quickly and you knew that yeah i'd say my the biggest emotional like uh, I don't know how to describe it, was well, when we opened up, so we did a soft opening and then we did a grand opening. And our grand opening, we're like, oh man, I hope people, just hope people come. Yeah. Hope people show up. You know, what if we did all this work, put all this time and made all these sacrifices and nobody shows up? And then about 6,000 people showed up oh, on opening day. <laughs> we had Chatham County Line come out and play, a couple other bands as well, a bunch of vendors, I mean, it was just such a cool experience. But at that moment, I was, in my mind, I was slightly overwhelmed, just like, holy cow, you know. It was always, it was always a huge risk to open up in Cary, because uh, not, basically because you, I would tell people where we were and describe the location and explain to them we were downtown Cary, and no one knew Where's downtown? Yeah, it was always right. the question was always asked. Where's downtown? Right, because it is. I mean, you have a small downtown area, Main Street, with there's yeah. 160,000 people spread around here. Most of them are living out in yeah. suburbs and neighborhoods, and yeah, and they're they're shopping in new shopping centers that are that are nearby. And you know, we have great relationships with the people in the area, the, the business owners, restaurant owners, and you know, they, they talked about the fact that it was pretty much deserted yeah. after dark. There was right. no, you never saw anybody walking around, yep. and now. It'll be two o'clock in the morning, and there's people out. There's stuff going on. Yeah, just well, enjoying themselves. Let me ask you all. That. I mean, it's one thing you you've you know you you've come up with all these um, recipes for all these different beers, and you've invested in this place, and you've built this out, and you're getting ready to open. But did you? I mean, did y'all have experience in hospitality? Mm, life experience, maybe. <laughs> um, I mean, you were working at a really. venue, but I was. Uh, yeah, I did a lot of. I also did a lot of tastings. Uh-huh. You know, so I worked behind the. I worked in the tasting room and yeah. that was the extent of my experience is doing wine tastings and things like that. I never was in the service industry or anything like that. Jeremy was, and I think, no, it wasn't either. No, I mean, we just, I think too, that gave us a, a, a better, pers- a different perspective. You know, like when we hired, when we hired bartenders, you know, we hired people not necessarily from the service industry. We hired people that when we had a conversation with them during an interview, they were engaging. Yeah. They were 
they were they had a good personality sure you know because you can teach anybody how to serve beer yeah and you know you can learn about beer but you can't really teach somebody how to be a good genuine nice person Absolutely. sometimes so yep. that's we approach it from that angle and i think if had we had had we had the you know the service industry experience we might have we maybe we would approached it differently yeah. i don't know yeah no i was just going to bring up the our philosophy is basically just to do everything organically like okay. we don't, we try not to force anything yeah um that's all I was going to mention. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, it raises a good point. I mean, you um, you didn't have some of those preconceived notions. Right. But, but it's such a big part of what you do. It's, there's the product, and then there's the execution on providing this meaningful experience when somebody comes yeah. in here that uh, matches the promise of the brand, if you will. And, exactly. You know, you know, um, so that's... Congrats on on figuring Thanks. that out because that you may not even I don't and maybe you just felt like that wasn't something you were as concerned you fig- you figured you could do it but it, it's not easy to pull off um, no I it, mean you know when you have people yeah you, there's a lot of things that can go awry you can have a great product <laughs> yeah human beings and yeah. yeah they have bad days and good days yeah but yeah no we also went into it with the philosophy we're selling beer yes but we're also selling an experience you know you come right. you come to Bond Brothers to feel good yeah you know to get away you don't want to you know that, that's why people come here yeah um, or maybe to forget I don't know <laughs> right. well the product helps a lot with that but yeah. yeah and maybe they don't recognize the experience at some point but no I mean that's that's a big part of this I mean it's, it's and it's getting harder and harder with hospitality to find and keep good people to mm-hmm. you know live up to that promise um, and so. we've had I mean this is our third year and I don't think we've had Zero turnover. We still have employees from the very beginning. That's amazing. Yeah, bartenders. I mean, they're in grad school, or in, uh, I think one of them just didn't. Steve just get who got his. Steve yeah, and another one's in her uh, getting her doctorate. I mean, people like it. Yeah. They stay. Yeah. So, what is your? Um, I mean, tell me about that. What What are you doing that's keeping them engaged and happy and fulfilled and? Uh, wanting to be a part of this versus, I mean, there's tons of, we're here in Cary, Raleigh, yeah. there's just all kinds of opportunities with all kinds of great hospitality businesses. Well, I think the money definitely doesn't hurt. Money doesn't they, hurt. They make, they make very good money yeah. um, tip-wise, but I also think we don't micromanage at all. Okay. You know, we, we hire people because we trust that they can do the job yeah. and they can do it well. And a lot of times better than us, you know, um, that's why we hire them. So... We let them, you know, give us ideas, tell us when we're wrong. You know, we, we don't try to be right all the time. So, right. you know, we, we respect them as educated adults and um, allow them to be themselves. So I think sometimes when you, f- when you rule with an iron fist, uh, it, you can get stuff done, but it's just not done in the way that we operate. We're very... You know, as you can tell, we're soft-spoken and mm-hmm. um, both artists. So we come from that sort of that mindset, um, and I think that helps. I think it does. You have to find. You're good, though. I can tell you've got to find the right people that mm-hmm. that will have that accountability and have that yeah. uh, you know sense of being a self-starter and and owning something and uh, being willing to. to to work with autonomy. I mean, some people need, you know, 
need a process and need yeah so you're doing a great job of finding people yeah. that you know and that's and that's a good thing i mean look there's those are the things that um it seems to make people really engaged and happy at, at work as you know autonomy and and mastery of what they're doing in some sense of purpose and it sounds like you you found a way to you know provide those opportunities for for your team yeah i think i think we have and we've been lucky i mean i can't it's not all us you know we've been lucky to that these people have walked through our door, you know, so, um, it's just been good. We've, I know, knock on wood. So where are we today? Um, we're, we're three years in, um, tell me, you know, is this where you thought you'd be three years in and no, what's, this is, we had a basic five year plan. Okay. Um, that went out the window probably within six months of, opening up because you were growing a lot faster than you yeah when we originally started we had the main tap room and the patio and early on yeah maybe a few months in we realized oh we're gonna need more space so we acquired this extra i think it's 1200 or 2000 square feet about or about 1200 square feet sorry um we're sitting in right now which is we call it our event space but it has quickly become our overflow additional space i mean on the weekends this whole room will be filled the patio will be filled and the tap room will be filled huh oh yeah and we when we started we had so we have a 10 barrel system and when we started we had a we had two 10 barrel fermenters a 10 bright and then two 20s and a 20 bright and now we're maxed out and so we have the the brewery side is completely full. Um, we are almost maxed out with barrels in our back room as well. Um, so we have since required a second location down the street. So we're, we haven't really announced it yet because we're still working on it. Okay. But that will... You kind of just did. <laughs> I know. I just did. Uh, so what we're planning, I mean, our plan is to get, the, get it open by uh, the summer, sometime this summer. But it will be home to our clean barrel program because right now all of our barrels in our facility house uh what we call dirty beers or sour beers things that have wild yeast and bacteria in them so we wanted a separate location so we won't contaminate the clean side so that that's actually almost up and running um then we had we want to up production so we've built a cooler over at our other location which is about another 1200 square feet of space to store beer and then we've got offices because we were when we first started we had one office and we're like well we what do we need offices for we're going to be brewing all the time like we don't need an we don't need an office and then quickly there's like five of us working out of this tiny little closet of an office and it just was getting ridiculous jeremy had a desk in the barrel room that kept getting moved every day because we're a production facility and people needed the space so now we have a separate location where we can we can have meetings and 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 work uh quietly and then a 1500 square foot tap room so that's what we're working on to open up this summer and hopefully it'll be a different approach than this one it'll it, the the idea is to have a few guest taps there which we don't have guest taps here all of our stuff uh we make in-house but we might um, invite some friends over to have a tap and excuse me sell some of their beer um, and try to make it maybe a little bit more adult friendly 
Um, we do. I, we love kids, and we have families here, and I bring my kids to the brewery all the time. Um, but some people want to get away and don't want kids running around. Sure. So in my mind, it would be great if we can turn that space into that, where people can come after work and um, get away for a little while. So that's the goal, hopefully by mm, July, maybe June. Okay, so it's pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's going to take a lot of work, but we're, I mean, we're, we're close. Sort of. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, there's so much collaboration mm-hmm. in the beer community. I think that's really cool to see. Have you guys, has that been part of what you're... Yeah. Wit, you want to say? Um, yeah, Wit. So Wit Baker, he... That's a big part. At, that's a big part of Wit's brewing process and recipe formulation i guess he he loves talking shop loves talking about beer i mean he can do it every day all day forever um so yeah he he really enjoys collaboration he really enjoys community um you know just spending the day with a a fellow brewer and learning um that's i think probably what he's most passionate about is education um you know, and as a result, he makes some really good beers. So I think collaboration is a huge part of what we're about. I mean, there's, it's interesting because, I mean, you're all competing for the same customers, but I see that, I mean, I see that everywhere. Particularly, I mean, I see it all the time in, mm-hmm. in, in this area. There's a lot of breweries around here. You see it up in Asheville. You see it in Charlotte. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, it's it's cool to see that you all kind of have a rising tide lifts all boats sort of mentality f- yeah. for the most part um that seems to be the philosophy of every everyone that uh, yeah. opens a brewery is because you want your neighbors to succeed you want the beer in this area yeah. to be top notch right so you don't want you don't want somebody to produce bad beer right you know? so everybody because you're building together. a reputation exactly. for the community as mm-hmm. a great place for great beer yep and people yeah. will come to town for a weekend and yeah. you know hit a bunch of different breweries and you got to give them a reason to stick around yeah absolutely absolutely um okay so then where are we going i mean you've got your 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 other location what's do you do you still have a five-year plan or have you kind of said you know what we're we're (laughs) Uh, no (laughs) not really yeah (laughs) uh kind of went out the window uh we definitely want to up production that's Mm -hmm. our i mean uh distribution excuse me um what is your distribution now we have maybe a little over 200 accounts. Everything's very local. Uh, okay. It's all North Carolina. We do have a couple outside of North Carolina accounts, but we don't travel there. They come to us, and okay. we'll pick up beer and bring it back. Um, so these are local being so North Carolina, and primarily around here. I mean, these are restaurants and yeah, bars I mean, within, and places. Yeah, you know, driving distance. We've got, right now we have one driver and okay. one van. Okay. So, But our pinch point is the cooler, so you need space to house the beer even if it's okay. for one day yeah to distribute it yeah so we're in kind of a holding pattern at the moment sticking with what we have just so we can make sure that we can supply the demand mm-hmm. that we already have because we don't want to not be able to give our customers that we have beer so the goal yeah is to get that second cooler up and then we can up, you know up distribution and kind of reach a broader audience and then hopefully get some canning some more canning done eventually our goal is to have a canning line we we do mobile canning at the moment which is convenient that they can do that but it's also mobile canning 
Um, a company will just come in with a with a box truck and okay. bring a canning line in and a crew. Okay. And they're pretty much responsible for uh, for canning your beer in mm-hmm. you know uh, in the appropriate way. So okay. you don't really have to do a whole lot. The margins they, are horrible. The, mar- yeah, the margins are not very good. So we we do it just mainly because we want to get our beer out there and yeah. um, it's fun to can. It's fun to put something in a can. It's fun to do artwork. It's fun to collaborate. Um, we've got a new series that we just canned yesterday. It's the second in the series called from around here. Mm-hmm. And it's um, beer brewed with all local ingredients. I mean, every aspect from the rosemary we get. What is local? North Carolina, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. And we do, we use epiphany malt, which is locally grown. Um, what else did we have? We had apples. I think that went into it. It was. It's a very unique beer, and it's a saison. I think the first one was a saison as well, right? I think they are all going to be saisons. Um, but it's a very good beer, and that that's coming out uh, very soon. How do you? Um, okay, so you've got these accounts. What do, what education do you do for them? You know, so you've got some restaurant fifty miles from here or whatever that's got your beer. They've also got a bartender that's sitting here with. 15 other beers or 20 or whatever. How, how do you, how do you get them excited about what you're doing and having them, you know, hopefully position bond brothers as a great option for their customers. Um, or do you, I mean, what, well, we, we do to some extent. Um, so we have a pretty good way to describe the beer. We use like three keywords. So we keep it pretty simple. So if it's like, uh, you know, dry citrusy, um, bready. Okay. You know, those are like very descriptive words that the um, server, bartender, waiter, waitress. Did you go to that? Yeah. So I did. There was a guy. Um, he he has a food truck that we love. He comes here all the time, and he opened a brick and mortar and uh, loves our beer, so wanted the beer. So we brought you know brought him some beer, and he was training his staff, and you know we basically just they ask the right questions like they they want to know what the style is they want to know what hops are in it um you know some some way to differentiate it from all the other taps that are um that they're serving and they sample it um that's also really important you know you don't you want you can get a lot from just smelling and tasting the beer um especially if there's you know someone that's very familiar with the product there to kind of give them those key words to describe it. Cause they know, they know what they smell. They know what they taste. They just don't know what words to use. Mm-hmm. So language in, in beer is pretty important. Um, so that's for us. Education is, is big. Um, community is really big for us and quality is really big for us. Those are like the, the three pillars of the company. Um, so any chance we can get to educate, we, we take advantage of it. Um, and we just like to help people out. And so now we have a really great relationship with the restaurant. He's like, you know, anytime you want anything, just come by. It's on me. And, and hopefully we have a customer for life. Um, so we try to go out of our way um, just to help them. And then in turn, it, it helps us. And it's, you know, I think that's pretty much it. Do, is there, um, so there are a lot of breweries. There are a lot of breweries that are opening around here. There's breweries open all over the place. I always think about saturation. Like, where, where is there a point where there's 
so many craft breweries and not enough customers to go around. I guess we're probably not even remotely no, close to that No, I don't think we're point. remotely close. But we, what we are seeing, though, too, is we are getting more and more. We're seeing that quality is be- – since there's more now, people have a metric in which they can judge yeah. beer because they say oh I went to this place it's really good this place was not as good as that place so now what we're seeing is a, a, a more educated uh, customer okay in, in the craft beer industry and they'll be very quick to tell you how they feel about your beer which is good and bad because yeah. a lot of people go on you know they say nice things occasionally they might not say nice things but you know it's all good publicity um, so I think that's what we're seeing. We're not seeing a saturation in, in the market. We're just seeing a more educated uh, con- consumer. Um, and that, in turn, is, I think, affecting some of the mediocre breweries. You'll see that. Like, some, some places might be closing their doors. Um, but I, I don't think that's a bad thing, you know. I think, like Jeremy said, the more educated the people are the, the the better the product's going to be sure you know yeah so um and and like we said earlier i think the more the merrier yeah you know people there's plenty of room for other breweries people like to bounce around go to different places you know we do collaborations so it's just good to have that network and that family seems like people more and more care about the businesses they patronize and so you have people that will especially around here you know gosh in raleigh there's all these great independent restaurants people want to be they want to go to an independent restaurant not a chain um i'm going to guess there's a lot of that in the beer world as well where you know you feel like you're part of something a little bit more meaningful than just some massive corporation that spits out you know yeah, hundreds of millions of cans of beer every every month. But and I ask that because I also see you're starting to see a lot of these, you know, several. I guess there's just a few of them now. Uh, large corporations that are then going and buying a lot of these breweries. And to me, I just wonder if that. Uh, I'm sure the economics work well for them, but I wonder over the long term if customers then are less engaged uh, and bought into that brand because it's now part of something else versus something that's independent. Is that? That's absolutely the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, a prime example is Wicked Weed when they well, sold. Well, that was, <laughs> you know, yeah. So they, they went from just uh, people were just were passionate about the brewery, their philosophies, and they sold out. And yeah. It, overnight, people changed. Yeah. And they stopped going, which is understandable. Um, one of the things that appealed to us about Kerry and the, the revitalization was the fact that they were focusing on um, small businesses, mm-hmm. independent restaurants. They were no franchise. None, none were going to open up in downtown. And I, you know, there was a Little Caesars gone. Um, now there's like a Pizzeria Felici, which is awesome Neapolitan pizza. Um, yeah, Big Dom's. Um, but yeah, it's that appeals to us. Um, and the independent craft beer, the, the seal. Yeah. What? I don't know if you were going to elaborate on the uh, no, I was just independent, independent craft. craft what is the that differentiates? Uh, so 
Yeah, so there's um, well, so you were talking about uh, AB and Bev, we'll say, uh, buying up smaller breweries and keeping the name and you know, still running the brewery under the guise of uh, craft. Um, so uh, the BA came out with a uh, uh, independent, I guess it's called the independent craft beer seal. So on all of your, um, if you are a true craft brewery, um, you can put this seal on your can or bottle, or your packaging, however you want to do it. Um, and it lets the consumer know that you are, in fact, not owned by AB InBev. So that's a cool thing that they did, and I think a lot of people have, are doing that. We have it on all of our stuff, all of our cans, even our menus we have it on, just so people know. And they, what, what changes when they buy? I mean, in that case, like, what, you know, they, they run it, you say, under the guise of, I mean, what, what do they? I, see, I don't think necess- the, the quality or the product doesn't necessarily change, but I think what happens is the, they can produce a product for, they can sell it for less money. Okay. So gotcha. they can, because they have, they, they can, have economies of scale. With, they, yes. So what that does is it forces, it kind of hurts people like us who we can't afford to sell our beer for, you know, for lack of a better term, Walmart prices. So, you know, so you have to, you have to make money. So I think their goal, and I'm just speaking here, their goal is to eventually try to drive down the prices which will in turn force some of these smaller craft breweries out of business. There's, some great, there's, some great there's, a, there's a lot of really good articles on the, on the, um, the topic, but you know, who knows what their, their end motive is, but I, I think all of us agree that that's probably one of them. Um, so, but, but is there always, I mean, so that's kind of, that's playing to the lowest common denominator, but I mean, you're, they're then not able to, so they're selling cheap beer, but they're, they're not going to attract people to work there and the type of customers uh, that depends are... depends on how they do it. I mean, yeah. Sometimes you don't even know they purchased. You, you, sometimes you won't well, even know. Well, that's a good point. The customer is not aware. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that word spreads, but... It does, especially if they're a big name. But they're not, And they're not going to... They're not going to be creative and continue to the experience that you guys can provide with the things you can do. It's the beer, but it's also the events. It's the passion and the thought and the creativity and all the stuff that because it's so meaningful to you that you're able to provide a different type of experience, I'm going to guess, than, than they probably will. They may can at first, but over time, that that's just going to become sort of a, you know, uh, maybe not quite as an engaging and a little bit more stale and, and replicatable it, experience. I would think yeah, they, they have to answer to shareholders. So right. Right. That's, that's their main priority. Yeah. Um, so beer is no longer. And I think that's what kind of irks a lot of people in the industry in the craft beer industry is that they go from, I mean, being passionate and creative and, um, just to, a, a corporation a corporation that right. makes decisions now solely based on like profit yeah um no longer the beer yeah and and you guys might have somebody knock on your door one day but i mean if you're if you're building a business that you enjoy and you're making money at it and you're you're you know your quality of life's good and you're able to continue to make your own decisions and thrive like what's the 
The why sell? Why, what's yeah. the point? Like, right. Then what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, why? Yeah. I mean, we wanted to create a place. We always said we just want to create a place that we want to go and hang out in. Yeah. So, and we, we've done that. Unless that changes, like, why? Yeah. So, yeah. why? I mean, you're making good money. You, you're living well. You know, kids are happy. Family's happy. Why? Yeah. You know, but, you know, sometimes they present an offer maybe you couldn't refuse. I don't know. But yeah. I certainly wouldn't sell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've just, I've always been interested in that. I mean, it's such an interesting dynamic in this, in this industry and I'm, I'm, I'm just fascinated with it. Um, I was, it's funny you were, I was thinking of that exact situation, which I didn't want to say. And then you mentioned that, but I mean that, but you're seeing that around the country uh, more and more. Um, well guys, I've taken enough of your time. I think y'all are awesome. Uh, you're awesome to spend this time. You have a, um, just a, a really enjoyable story and a way of approaching your business. I have a lot of respect for y'all and I admire what you've done and the way you've gone about it and your philosophy and your style of managing your people. And, uh, we're super proud to serve you and I just cannot thank you enough for taking the time today. Thanks. Will. Thank yeah. You. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our pleasure. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you all.